0: Alright, like a boss. What's ex- I'm really excited about this. We've never talked about job or how to do job and work here at One OneChurch uh, uh, over the past eight years. So today we're breaking some new ground when it comes to talking about how to work and how to do your job like a boss. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody should have gotten a name tag when you came in, did you? Alright, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to put your name on it. I know, right? All right, it's okay. Um, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write on that name tag. I want you to write the name of your very first job. All right, very first job, and you can just write it underneath your name, all right? And uh, I want you to write that, and then after you get finished writing it, I want you to tell the person sitting next to you what your very first job was. All right, you got about 15 seconds. Alrighty, let me tell you what my very first job was. I don't know if you can see this name tag on me. But my very first job was a pizza delivery boy at Mr. Getty's on Madison Street here in Clarksville. Uh, I was a freshman in college. And uh, again, this was kind of the time before cell phones and smartphones and all this stuff. And I've grown up here in Clarksville. Uh, I remember my very first night, very, very embarrassing. My very first night... Um, You know, I had the choice of, okay, do I deliver pizzas or do I, like, refill the salad bar? And the salad bar is one of the most nastiest things out there, right? Because people are slobs when it comes to putting salad and pudding. And by the way, when did chocolate pudding become part of a salad? I do not know. I don't put that on my salad. Um, But I was like, I would rather, you know, drink a warm glass of hamster vomit than to be able to work sorry, that was not in my notes, uh, uh, on the salad bar. So I'm like, I'm going to deliver pizzas my very first night, right? And uh, do you know Clarksville well? I'm from here, right? So anyway, I uh, got my first call and went out and uh, uh, somebody had ordered like a two pepperonis, large pepperonis. So I left Mr. Getty's, and uh, what should have taken about 20 minutes to deliver the pizzas took about two and a half to three hours, because evidently I didn't know Clarksville as, as good as I thought I did right I remember going and trying to find this place and the place is around the exit 11 area right and uh and I was just like where is this place again I didn't have a map in my car there was no you know smartphones that you can pull up GPS and type in anything I mean I I am I'm I'm just clueless And I'm calling the store, and they're calling, you know, I I go to a payphone, and I said, hey, I can't find a thing. Well, the owner, you know, the person who ordered the pizzas, they called 45 minutes ago, where are you at, right? And I'm like, I'm trying, right? I mean, I'm trying to get there. So I'm trying, you know, they're trying to give me directions over the phone. Anybody ever tried that horrific story, all right? So they're trying to give me directions over the phone. Finally, about two and a half hours later, I give them their pizza, and it is ice, ice, baby. It is cold. Needless to say, they didn't pay for that pizza, the very first pizza I delivered, and I had to pay for it. So, but you know what? That was very embarrassing for me. I mean, growing up here in Clarksville and not knowing the roads and all that stuff. Um, but as embarrassing as that was, something happened two weeks later that made it all worth it. Anybody want to know what it was? That's right. Got some, I, got, I got paid. I got paid two weeks later, and I'll never forget the check—the check from Mr. Gettys to paid to the order of Chris Edmondson for two hundred and twenty-eight dollars. Oh, I was a rich man. I was—I um, mean, two hundred and twenty. In fact, what I did with my very first paycheck is I went to Wilson's in the mall at Governor's Square. anybody remember Governor's Square when you would go there and you wouldn't get shot? Anyone? Um, So, I mean, I went to Wilson's in Governor's Square, and I bought my very first leather jacket. And, oh, it was amazing, right? But, I mean, I don't know what your first day at work was like or your, your very first job was, but here's what I know. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian or if you believe the Bible or if you don't believe the Bible. All of us can agree that work is kind of a big deal for all of us. In fact, whether or not you like your job or love your job or hate your job, your job will impact your life. In fact, let me give you uh, some statistics because this is very interesting. You will spend 50 to 60% of your life at work. 50 Yeah, I heard that sigh. Uh, 50 to 60 percent of your life at work and get this over 80 percent of us say that we're unsatisfied or we hate our jobs that's pretty horrific now again i have had all kinds of jobs and you probably have too let me kind of tell you some of the jobs that i've had in the past all right um i, I worked at um of course mr getty's I, I quit mr getty's and i started working for pizza munchers um, and then, are you sensing a theme here, by the way? Um, and then I, I quit pizza munchers, and I, start, I started working for the Clarksville Department of Electricity. I read electric meters. Um, so if your electric you know, bill went up or down, that was my fault. I got uh, bit by dogs and chased by dogs and pit bulls. It was a great, great time. Um, so I made a quarter a meter, which doesn't sound like a lot until you read about 1,500 meters a day. And then it's all right? Let me tell you some other ones. I've, uh, I, when I was in Dallas, uh, I was a pool cabana boy. <laughs> yeah, sure, all right? I cleaned uh, pools. I cleaned pools for people. Uh, I cleaned pools that cost more than I will ever make in my lifetime. I, 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 uh, Ross Perot, some of y'all heard of him, I cleaned his next-door neighbor's pool. I mean, this pool was gorgeous, gorgeous. I mean, I'm sure, over a million dollars to clean this pool. So I did uh, pool cleaning. Uh, I, um, I sold caskets for a day, uh, and I realized I stunk at that. Um, I tell you, I worked uh, with a pastor named Dr. Tony Evans, and uh, I worked in his ministry for about two and a half, three years. I duplicated tapes for him, and I was a counselor on one of the phones. Um, I uh, uh, served as a, uh, a like student pastor for 12 years in churches in... Uh, Texas, in Auburn, Alabama War Eagle, um, in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia I was also a worship pastor there um, uh, in a church of about 3,000 and that was fun Um, I went to Iowa and I was a pastor in Iowa and uh, then I also did construction um, and and then when I moved here to start one church I started working at the Walmart Distribution Center I've kind of been all over the place doing uh, whatever jobs, here's the thing (laughs) You and I, whether it's a desk job, whether it's a civilian job, army job, teacher, accountant, whatever it is, here's what I know, that you will spend over half of your life at work and that 80% of us hate our jobs. Now, here's what we're going to do over the next three weeks as we look at this series. We're going to be looking at two different sources during this series. Uh, We're going to be seeing what God has to say about work. Now, again, that should not be a surprise to any of you, right? I mean, you're at a church— and We're going to talk about what God has to say about work, but We're going to be over the next three weeks looking at another individual who's kind of an expert about work In fact, this guy has spent more time on the job and in many different jobs than all of us in here combined His name is Mike Rowe and Mike Rowe is the host of Dirty Jobs and also uh, uh, Somebody's got to do it. How many of y'all have heard of Mike Rowe? Some of you haven't, uh, let's roll this beautiful bean footage
1: and let's hear about my Which loosely translated means, I'm freezing to death, can I have your coat? My first big break. Ah, good one. There've been many breaks, but I was singing in the opera (laughs) <laughs> in the Baltimore Opera, dressed as a Viking, in the middle of a production of Der Ring des Nibelungen, which is an interminable dirge by Wagner. And during the intermission, which was a half hour, uh, I didn't have to be on stage for the 45 minutes after that. So I walked across the street to the Mount Royal Tavern to get a beer and watch the Ravens play, dressed as a Viking. So I'm sitting down there in my full regalia. Rick is the bartender, another actor I'd known for years, and on the TV is not the uh, football game. Instead, there's a fat guy in a shiny suit selling pots and pans. And I said, Rick, put the game on. He said, I can't. I got to watch this guy. And I said, why? And he said, because he's a salesman for the QVC cable shopping channel, and tomorrow they're having an open call downtown in one of the big hotels. And so I'm going there to audition. I basically said that I... I don't think you need to watch this to figure out how to do it. I think a monkey could do it. And he said, really, you think you could do it? And I said, no, I would never do it, but I could. And the conversation got heated, and the beers went down, and I basically bet my friend Rick 100 bucks that I couldn't get a callback from the QVC cable shopping channel. So the next day, I went with Rick, crashed the audition, and uh, I didn't get a callback, but I did get hired. Well, what do you expect? It's a lava lamp. You put lava in a lamp, we're talking about molten magma. When I left QVC for the last time early in 93 I moved to Hollywood and I realized I was I, I was a very very good auditioner and I didn't really have any great aspirations I didn't want to hit show I didn't want a, a gig that would completely uh, tie me down I wanted to work like a tradesman you know a couple weeks on a couple of weeks off I wanted to take my uh, retirement early and in installments I had hundreds of Hundreds of jobs in the industry, some better than others, none that you've heard of before, but I love them all because they all paid the bills and I made a lot of contacts and a lot of friends. My job from QVC all the way up until Dirty Jobs uh, depended upon my ability to, to properly identify those projects so poorly conceived, so hopelessly thought of that no amount of of luck or or talent could possibly save them. I would attach myself to these turds, you know, (laughs) not unlike the Titanic, like looking for the iceberg, you know, and I would get paid and I would do my best work and of course they would fail and I'd be off for a month and then I'd go do it again. Figure out what it is. I take it back. I was going to say figure out what you love but don't even worry about that. It's it, Why worry about doing something you love? That's a bunch of baloney. Figure out what the opportunity is. Find a thing. Get good at it. Learn to love it later.
0: So uh, during this series, we're going to have a, a couple of micro interruptions, and he is going to give us Uh, Pull us aside and give us some help when it comes to loving your job like a boss So and I like I like his quote there. He says don't worry about uh, Figuring out what you love figure out what the opportunity is and get good at it. I like that now. Let's get back to work All right What uh, what are we supposed to do with work? I mean if we're going to spend over half of our lives at work And the majority of us 80 percent or more hate our work I mean, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to view work like a penalty box between the weekends? Uh, is, that, is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, are we supposed to like throw up our hands and just like, you know what, forget about it. it, it I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to forget thinking about what I really want to do and I'm just going to just exist. What are we supposed to do when it comes to things like work and a job? And here's even a better question than that. Where is God in all of this? Uh, With so much fear and frustration, stress and anxiety that revolves around work, where is God in all of this? Does God have anything to say about work and about getting a job? Does God seem to care that 80% of us hate our jobs? Does God seem to care that many of us, are even right now, are going through career transition? Does God seem to care that work is viewed as a penalty box between the weekends? Or is God over here on Sunday and here's our Sunday life and here's the church life and it's where we sing and go And we read the Bible and then Monday through Friday is over here is our reality And here's the real world and God on Sunday and has nothing to do with Monday through Friday Is there some type of huge divide between the sacred and the secular? Well, here's the thing I can stand up here with any sense of credibility because I believe, as I read God's Word, that, that work was God's idea, that, that God invented it. Not an entrepreneur, not like a bad guy on an evil television show or whatever, it, but it was God's idea. God created the idea of work. And uh, what's so interesting about this, I really do believe that if we can discover the original purpose for work, and and if we can discover the original purpose for you, because heads up, God also created you, that you might start shifting in your idea of work and maybe 80% of us wouldn't hate it anymore. Because if we figure out what the purpose of work is and the purpose of you and put those together, then I think our perspective will change. So here's our big theme For our series called like a boss an overreaching idea And here it is you and I will never understand the purpose at work We will never understand our purpose at work until we understand the purpose of work That you and I we will never understand the purpose at work Whatever your work is. You're never going to understand the purpose of that until we understand the purpose of work And it's just that simple so what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to start over. We're going to kind of look at kind of the average of reason how people, hey, why do we work? And then we're going to say, okay, what, what is the right thing? Because so many times we believe things, and just because we believe them doesn't mean that they're right. And we've got to go to God's Word, and we kind of got to shift that. So today, we're going to see what our lives are supposed to be at work by the creator of work, God. We're going to discover that God is the God of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as well as the God of Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to see that you and I don't have to view work as a penalty box in between the weekends. You and I will never understand the purpose of work until we understand the purpose of what God is wanting us to do through work. So what is the purpose of work? What is the purpose of work? Why do you think we go to work? Well, here's the thing. As I've been kind of doing preparation for this teaching and this talk, I've discovered that really there's, pri- there's four primary purposes for work. Let me show you what they are. The first one is pay the bills. All right? And that's kind of the most obvious one, right? Because we got stuff. There's stuff to pay for, right? And this is kind of the old bumper sticker. I owe, I owe. It's off to work we go. The reason why we work is so that we can pay the bills. Second is this. It's our identity that many of us, we find our identity in our work. Let me give you an example, all right? When somebody you've never met before, when they come up to see you, they ask you a first question, and here it is. What is your name, right? What is your name? My name is Chris. What's yours? Okay, okay. Yeah, my name is Chris, all right? And the second question they ask is always what? What do you do, exactly? Exactly. That we find our identity with our work. And we're going to be talking about that specifically today, where we find our identity at work. Let me give you a, the next one. is many of us, we find purpose. The reason why we work is so that we can be able to find purpose. And again, I've heard this from so many of you guys, because you'll say something like this, Chris, you know, I just wish I got a job, and I'm grateful that I got a job, but my job doesn't seem to have any purpose, and I want to make a difference in life. And I get that. So you struggle through work because it doesn't seem to have a purpose. So one of the reasons why you work is you want to see, you want to find purpose. And then the last one is success. The the reason why many of us work is because we want to be successful. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to keep up with our boss. We want to keep up with the level of whatever that is. So we want to be a success. Now, generally speaking, when it comes to the, uh, to the answer to the question, why do we work, it's these four issues that we always come back to. Pay the bills, identity, purpose, and we want to be a success. Now, here's what's so interesting. When we look at that question, why do we work, and we go to the Bible, guess what we find? These four things, while they're not inherently bad, aren't the reason why, We are supposed to be working. And could it be that because we're using these four things as the reason why we work, why we're so stressed out, and and, and we worry at night, and we're always biting our fingernails, and the reality is 80% of us hate our jobs. That most of us, you know, we would like, you know what? If, if a rich uncle gave me money. By the way, how many of y'all are hoping for that rich uncle who dies and gives you money? All of us. If you're not raising your hand, seriously, lying in church. All right? We all hope that we have that rich uncle, right? Who will give us all the money that we need, and you will go live in Tahiti. Yes. That's the first amen I think I've ever gotten. Right? See, all of us want that. Here's the reality of it is probably 99% of us are not going to have a rich uncle. And if you do, tithe to one church. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, I'm just saying, right? It's just, I mean, and we're so frustrated with our jobs. But when we go and look at God's word, these four reasons aren't the reason God gives us for working. So let's go back to the very beginning. Because you and I will never understand our purpose at work until we understand the purpose of work So let's go back to the very beginning into the book of genesis and let's see one of the very first times that work is mentioned All right genesis chapter 3. It'll be on your screen, but let me give you some context Alright, the context is this God created the heavens and the earth And God created male and female Right, and God says listen I don't want you to, you can do whatever you want to But this one thing you cannot do, don't do this Don't eat from this tree And what do they do? They ate from the tree Sin entered in the world And because sin entered the world A curse came on it, and this is where When most of us, when we think about work We just assume that this is the very first time Work is mentioned, when it says Cursed, everybody say cursed some of y'all, that's what you do when you go on, on, to the job on Monday, don't you? You curse. Anyway, cursed is the ground because of you. All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Somebody say scratch a living. All right, next verse. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. So when many of us, when we think of work, we immediately think of this verse, and we think that must be the very first time that work is mentioned. Now, here's the thing. I don't know whether or not you believe in that story or whether or not you believe in the Bible, if you're a churchgoer, if you believe in Jesus, but here's what I do know. You believe in those verses, don't you? Because you go to work every Monday morning, and it feels like a curse, don't it? In fact, you go to work, and some of you, you were scratching a living in your backyard this weekend, weren't you? You were doing some honeydews, guys. You were doing some honeydews, and you were working hard because, and you're thinking, you know what, this work stuff is a curse. But let me just tell you this is not the very first verse where work is mentioned in the Bible. In fact, we're going to have to go back and look another chapter before this, and we're going to see that work is not a curse. You see, work is not a curse, and we're going to discover that work was actually a blessing. All right, let's look at what it says. This is Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work and take care of it. Work was not introduced as a curse to us. And I tell you, before the fall happens, God creates this ideal world, this beautiful setting, Garden of Eden, and he gives work to Adam and to Eve and to you and to me. Now, work is not a curse. To them, he gave it to him as a blessing. In fact, we could actually go back to Genesis chapter 1, and we see that for six days, God created all of these different things, and he was working. And then on the seventh day, he what? He rested... And he, and he enjoyed work so much. He says, you know what? I'm going to give work to Adam and Eve. So that should give you and I hope that work doesn't have to be a curse. That work can actually be a blessing. That we don't have to hate work. Now, which leads us to our original question, what was God's original purpose for work? Now, let me tell you something that I like doing. I like reading business and leadership books. I know some of you are like, yawn. Right, I know it's kind of boring, but I, I really do. I'm reading like six books right now. Charles Duhigg, I'm reading his book on, the, on, on habits. It's really, really good. I'm reading a book by Tim Irwin called Derail. I'm reading all kinds of books because I love reading. But here's the thing. As, m- as much as many of the books that I've read on business and economics and leadership that are so amazing, whether it's Jim Collins or Patrick Lencioni or whoever it is, let me, we're today we're going to be looking at a verse— that really sums up work and it really is the summa cum laude of this apex of what work is and I tell you if God is saying it to a guy by the name of Paul Paul wrote a, a letter to this church in Colossae and it really is the, the, the definitive statement on work Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 and this is what we're going to stay for the rest of our, our time here this morning Colossians three twenty-three says this whatever, somebody say whatever Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for who? Working for the Lord and not for men. Now this phrase, working for the Lord, can you say that with me? Working for the Lord. That was pitiful. Let's say it one more time. Working for the Lord. If we can figure out what that really means, if we could dig deep into that phrase, I really do believe we can unlock the purpose of work. The reason why that's so important is because we will never understand the purpose, our purpose at work, until we understand the purpose of work. So, and I really do believe if we look at this, and we look at these two clarifying statements here that's in this verse, all right? Um, And it it says this, it says this, that all of us, all of us, we have a boss. In fact, some of you, you've had good bosses in your life, hadn't you? How many of you all have had bad bosses? Let me see your hands. All of us, right? How many of you all have had good bosses? Right? All of us, we've had that good boss, um, and, and, and here's what we wanted to see. That we wanted to work, and we realized this, we wanted to work for a good boss, and we worked somebody we admired and we looked up to, and they had that confident humility. They weren't focused on themselves. They were focused on like, uh, like, like moving the organization forward. And if you've ever worked for somebody like that, here's what happens that your level of work rises because you know that your your work reflects upon your boss. Because of your admiration and respect for him or her, you don't cut corners, you don't steal office supplies. Why? Because of your respect for them. That your work ethic rises. So Paul comes along and says this, okay, I'm glad you have a really good boss to work for. But let me tell you, who you're really working for, is jesus you re- ultimately you really don't work for them ultimately you work for jesus that's who you work for and that's what it means the whatever is it whatever you do it reflects upon jesus our savior and, and and that's good news but it's also a challenge to us isn't it because when you and i participate in office gossip around the water cooler that reflects poorly upon jesus but when you and I work with integrity and honesty and trustworthiness, that's a great reflection on Jesus. Uh, or when you and I just do the minimal standards and, and, and just do just whatever we can do and, to, and then we can eat by, that is a poor reflection on our Savior. But when you and I, we go above and beyond, when you and I, when we go the second mile and we give second-mile service to people, not because our shift manager is watching, but because our God is watching, not because we're getting a paycheck, because God gives us our own reward, we, we rise above. Why? That is a good reflection on Jesus. We've all worked for a good boss. Now, let me see. How many of y'all have worked for a bad boss? All right, this is what Mike Rowe has to say about that. Watch this
1: the best way to impress your boss sadly the answer to this question um, is not going to please anyone but it's the truth it's been the truth for as long as there have been employees and bosses and the way to impress your boss is this show up early stay late and take a great big bite of the poop sandwich whenever it comes in your direction dedicate yourself to making your boss look better than he or she actually is kiss their butt and i don't mean just mm, i mean really get in there kiss it Okay? Make yourself indispensable. Volunteer for every lousy job. If you're gonna suck up, do it shamelessly. All this talk of Machiavellian brown nosing has gotten a terrible, terrible reputation over the years. To this day, in my opinion, there is no better way to advance up the food chain, up the ladder of success, towards something aspirational than by making the person who ultimately pays you look better. Than they actually are.
0: That is good advice. So I I noticed a lot of us, we were laughing during that because we're like, nobody wants to do that, right? Um, Nobody wants to do that. But hear me the way we work, it reflects not only on our earthly boss, but it reflects on our heavenly boss, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, let me, you got to be careful here because this phrase, working for the Lord, uh, it, we can go hyper-spiritual and, and, and really go kind of really weird and freaky nuts about this Because let me tell you what we're not talking about We're not talking about is doing something goofy like handing out bible tracts in the break room That's not what we're talking about It's what we're not talking about is you being on facebook at work and posting well, If you love jesus Share this with 200 of your friends Right, that's not what we're talking about. And let me tell you what else we're not talking about, uh, because some of you you think well, to work for the Lord means that okay, I, I'm in a secular job here, but I gotta go find a sacred job, and I gotta like start working for a church, or maybe I gotta become a missionary. Maybe you gotta find a God job that you can kind of get into. And we go in this mindset. Now I've heard this. Sometimes people come to me and they say, "Chris, I feel like God has called me to ministry," and, and I'm like, "Okay." Um, but what they what they're saying is this I need to quit my regular job so that I can be hyper spiritual and I can work for the Lord Right and, and, and a church job And let me tell you nothing can be farther from the truth because time out, if you're a follower of Jesus You're already working for the Lord and you're already in full-time ministry So I don't know what we need to do. I don't know if we need to throw holy water on you or, you know, we need to do this so that you can realize that you are working for God uh, as a bus driver or as a a school teacher, as an accountant, uh, as uh, doing real estate, whatever that looks like for you. That if you're a Christ follower, you are already working for the Lord. You're already in ministry. And the reason why we know that is the very first word in this verse. What is it? whatever now i've done a a a a really intensive study on the greek word for whatever it took me about two weeks you know what i discovered what whatever means whatever because whatever means whatever whatever you're doing you do it for the lord so there is no separation between sacred or secular or anything like that. If you're a teacher, real estate agent, a music teacher, accountant, a stewardess, a bus driver or a hairdresser, a waiter or a, wait- a waitress, enlisted or an officer, a pastor, whatever means whatever you do. You do it as to God. In fact, I love this great quote from Martin Luther. Listen to what he says the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays not because she might sing a Christian hymn while she sweeps but because God loves clean floors I love that he goes on the Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship that is really good here's our big idea for today Here's the bottom line. The purpose of your life at work is to show that God is at work in your life. You see, the purpose of your life at work isn't just to pay the bills. It isn't to find your identity. It isn't even to find purpose, and it's not to be a success. Though all of those are good. That your purpose of your life at work is to show that god is at work in your life you see i love that because that means all of us are doing god's work now let me give you an example for this so you know that i'm a pastor and i you know i do you know all this stuff let me tell you about my wife my wife she teaches music and she's a music, she's a lesson administrator for Mary's Music. She is uh, actually over over 300 students, and I want to say about 13, 14 uh, different uh, uh, teachers, music teachers. And, um, and she always has a waiting list of people waiting uh, to get on her list, because not only is she over it, she actually teaches there as well. But let me tell you a little bit about my wife. And I love bragging on her because what's so cool is that when you go to Mary's and you take like voice lessons or piano lessons from her and you watch her teach, sometimes she isn't even teaching the piano. In fact, many times you'll have somebody come in and they'll say, hey, listen, can we not do music today? Can we just talk? Uh, You know, I got this thing in my life and I'm struggling with my son in this area or my daughter in this area. What do you think I should do? And Kib says, well, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know at all, but, and she'll open up God's word, and she will talk to them, and she, uh, Jesus just oozes out of her. And, and, and I tell you, uh, and she always has a waiting list of people wanting to take lessons for her. Why? Not because she's Christian. She's good at what she does. But you know what? Jesus just naturally comes out of her. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is in ministry? Kim, the music teacher, or Chris, the pastor? The answer? Both of us are. And whether or not you're cutting hair, whether or not you are, are a school teacher, whether or not uh, you're in the army, all of us, we are working as to the Lord, that Jesus is our boss. And I love that. And why? Because a purpose of life at work is show that God is at work in our life. Now, now, when you, we understand this, let me tell you what happens. We understand this ultimately uh, is everything in life that it's all about God. Here's what happens. The, these things begin to change. These things begin to change. And you realize, you know what, let, let's talk about identity. That's a big one. That, that at some point we realize that many of us, we get our identity at work. But let me tell you, I'm just going to bust your bubble. Because at some point, in your work Eventually, you're not going to be doing that work anymore You're going to be replaced And I tell you I'm going to pick on me for a second I love my job I love being the pastor of one church I love that over the past eight years We have, we have done so much work In seeing 8,000 people come through these doors And literally hundreds get baptized But let me tell you As much as I love this job Let me tell you, I'm not going to be the pastor of one church forever because one day I will be replaced because I will either keel over or, you know what, God will call me elsewhere. And right now, I've got no prospects, not looking. I'm just telling you there's one day that I'm not going to be the pastor here. Let me tell you, though, I will always be in a relationship with my Heavenly Father. So which one is the most important? The relationship with my Heavenly Father. Which means, if I am basing my identity as the pastor here at one church, that there's going to be one a time come that I, this is going to be taken away and I can't find my identity at work. And some of you men and women who are in the army, you've, you struggle with this, who've made the transition to civilian life. Right? Because you had the bars. You had the rank. Right? And people respected you. You found your identity. And then you got out and you got in the civilian world and people didn't respect you anymore. And what did you want to do to them? Come on, you could say it. You wanted to punch them in the throat, right? But, But here's the thing. The issue wasn't really even so much them. The issue is that you and I, we chose to find our identity in something other than God. If you find your identity in something other than God You're going to struggle one day You're going to struggle one day L- Let me uh, talk to you a little bit more about this And it says this um, I love this, we talk about purpose Some of you are like, I, you know what, I just, my job doesn't have any purpose And I'm struggling through it Let me tell you, if, if the purpose of our life at work Is to show that God is working your life Let me tell you, that means that whatever you're doing Whatever That your job has significance Your job has purpose that whether or not you're just inputting stuff in a computer in a cubicle all day, that you do that as to God, as to the Lord, that every job has purpose and every job has significance. Whether or not you're on the police force or you're working for the TBI or you're you're working for a real estate company or whatever that looks like, that you can do that as to the Lord. You never find your identity in your job And here's the reason why. Because if you find your own dindy in your job, the clock is ticking. And eventually, you won't have that job anymore. You can't find just purpose in your job. Because the clock is ticking. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, do it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. All right, I love that. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. Now again, that's really easy to say on Sunday morning, isn't it? Because it ain't Monday yet. But, here's what I want us to do, and I want to triple dog dare you on this. I want to challenge you tomorrow to live Colossians 3.23. Because most of us have been living out this old model of paying the bills and identity and purpose and success. But we need to not do that old model and we need to do this new model that our purpose of life at work is to show that God is at work in our life. So, my challenge you, and and, and my question when I challenge you is simply this. What would it look like for you tomorrow? What would it look like for you tomorrow that whatever you do, teacher, real estate agent, stay-at-home mom, accountant, stewardess, whatever you do, that what would it do, what would it look like if tomorrow you did it as to the Lord? What would that look like? So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. <coughs> this will be fun for me, and you. All right. I'm, now I'm not going to ask you to to, to to like speak or anything. Cause some of you're like this is a little crazy. But what, is what I'm going to ask you to do, I want you to come down front, and while I'm finishing preaching, I want you to grab one of these work gloves. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take <clears throat> the dry rate. The, the excuse me the permanent marker and I want you to put col that's colossians 3 23 and here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this in your purse I want you to put it in your back pocket All right And this next week as you feel that what's in my back pocket. Oh, yeah, I, whatever I do I need to do it as to the lord So I want you I want to challenge you to keep that with you So i'm just going to ask you guys to come on start coming forward and grab one of these, and they're a little difficult to write on. I'm going to be the first one to say it, but COL 323. All right? <clears throat> and while you're doing that, I'm going to keep on talking. So, because we got to end this puppy. All right? I got a, a question. Uh, God, hear the prayer in our house this week and used to give you uh, us our answers today. Thank you uh, uh, for um, uh, being such a good servant. So, anyway, thank you so much for that. Um, let me say this. All right. Now, for some of you, <coughs> that means whatever you do, you're doing it as to the Lord. Whatever you do. And, and you do it in such a way that you give him honor and praise. Now, let me talk to the rest of us up here. This is really good. I can actually see all of y'all. All of y'all need to start sitting on the front row. Okay, um, because I can like I can, like call out people's names. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. But let me say this: If you're kind of some of those weirdo people like me, who um, maybe you're the workaholic, or maybe the, you're the 20% that actually like your job. All right, let me give you another challenge. And here's the challenge I want to give you, and it's kind of opposite of what um, uh, I've, uh, the challenge of those who hate our job, right? And it's simply this. For some of you, your job, if you really like your job, is to prove to everybody in your job that work is not your God. But God is your God. And that means that you may need to step out. You may need to leave early and not sneak out the back door, but you actually go out the front door. And you let everybody know, hey listen, as much as I love this place, as much as I love doing what I do, I am going to walk out this door 15 minutes early because I gotta start drawing some boundaries. I got to start prioritizing my, prioritizing my family. I got to start doing some different things. Because our purpose of life at work is to show that God is at work in our life. And here's what I'm going to do I'm going to exit here. We're going to show a video of Micro, and then I'm going to talk for about five seconds, and then the band is going to uh, uh, get us out of here. So, uh, again, thank you guys for coming. You guys can sit down, and uh, let's watch Micro on this
1: in a career, and you want to begin it. So this kid asked me a question. He was having a hard time finding uh, the right job, and he described his strengths, and he described what was important to him. He wanted to be able to take care of his family. He wanted to be able to work outdoors. Basically spelled out his requirements for happiness. And I said, you know, I just had the same exact conversation with a friend of mine the night before, a woman who's about my age who was telling me how hard it was to find her soulmate. She said, it's impossible. I said, well, you know, what about an online dating thing? Are you out of your mind? I'm not gonna date somebody I meet online. What about the guy down there at the end of the bar? He keeps looking over here. She said, no, he's he's not my type. Point is, she's not looking for a mate. She's looking for her soulmate. And the guy who's asking me for career advice He's not looking for a job. He's looking for the right job. He didn't even have a family. He doesn't even have one yet. And he's talking about how important it is to have a measure of stability. And I was like, dude, I, what do you... Move to Dakota. Learn to weld. You'll make $120,000 by the end of your first year. It's cold. I get it. But try that if you're not sure what to do. You're 22 years old. This is the best time in your life to get it all wrong. Don't wait. (laughs) You know, take a swing. Anyhow, that's a long way of saying that looking for your soulmate and looking for the right job are great ways to make sure you don't get either.